Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. I'm Shirley Welsh, host of Death Cafe Dunedin, where people meet in all sorts of places to drink tea, eat cake and discuss death. In this program, we break the taboo around talking about death and hear firsthand from New Zealanders about their experiences and their perspectives. Today I'm talking to Rachel. In 1975, when Rachel was nine, her dad Richard and two crew members set sail from Gisborne to Dunedin in a sailboat. However, Rachel's dad never arrived. Last week I interviewed Rachel's mum, Mary. Today, Rachel tells a story from her perspective. Rachel, do you remember your dad not arriving as he had planned? Yes, I do. Uh, I remember it vaguely. I remember going up to Christchurch and uh, there's not too many memories around that um, but I, I remember that he didn't come and, and that we went home um, and we had a car accident on the way home where mum um, ran over a sign um, and so that was a little bit traumatic but anyway, we uh, yeah, I do remember it. What do you think happened to your dad? Um, well... I believe now that the, the boat was hit by a whale, um, uh, but at the time I I had no idea, um, and it was very distressing actually because he just disappeared and we didn't know where he'd gone and what had happened. Yeah. So, at what stage did you find out that he had probably been hit by a whale? Um, it was later on. Um, I've had three different um, psychics tell me the same thing over a number of years and they've all said the same thing and, it, and that is that the boat was hit by a whale and it went down very quickly they didn't have time to react or to do anything um, and yeah they all said the same thing different from different cities different people yeah how did your mum take the fact that your dad simply didn't return from this trip it was devastating for mum. It was devastating for all of us. Um, and they were very much in love. And we were a, a very, very happy family. I know, not all, you know, it's not always perfect and lovely, but we actually had a very, very tight family. Um, and for mum, she was the love of his life. And it was um, the only thing really, I think, that, that helped was that she had us kids to keep keep her going. Did people speculate about his disappearance? Yeah, they did, and that was actually really hard, and I remember that. Um, I remember um, that there was all this speculation about, uh, oh, he could have just gone off to Fiji and run off with someone else, and, and you know, he might still be alive and, and all that sort of thing. But um, I know my parents, and I knew my dad, and, and I know they were very much in love, and I knew that that didn't happen um, you know like even the letter that um, dad sent mum just the day before he left talking about them how how much he was looking forward to us all sailing on the waves and you know because that's what we used to do every weekend in our little boat in Dunedin Harbour um, and so 
um, yeah, that just wasn't an option for us. But it was actually very difficult, at, especially at a time when um, we were grieving and, and or and not knowing what was going on and what was happening. And and then we had all this on top of that. Um, and, and it was very difficult. Um, it was an extremely difficult time for, for that sort of thing. Did you find the, the thought that he'd been hit by a whale and at a sudden catastrophic event reassuring? Uh, <laughs> I guess it was um, it was a, a knowledge and, and getting that knowledge from um, from different people as to what actually happened. Yeah, I guess that was reassuring in some ways, even though it didn't help with the fact that he died. <laughs> yeah. Where did you live after your dad disappeared? Okay, so because um, they mortgaged the house to buy the boat, because we were going to live on the boat, and so we had to leave our house um, and we had to move into emergency accommodation um, in Caversham, um, which was a huge shock um, because I was used to living in McAndrew Bay, which was a really nice little community, um, and... Yeah, we all got taken out of that and put into a whole completely different community, which was quite challenging. Describe the difference for me um, between McAndrew Bay and Caversham. Yeah, McAndrew Bay, we'd been there since uh, since I was before I started school, and um, it, it was a close knit community. When we went to Caversham, we kind of saw the other side of life that I hadn't experienced, um, where the kids were and the people around were, were a bit rougher, and we got. Um, sort of because we didn't have dad as well and we're all grieving and and everything was happening mum was having to work two jobs just to try and keep us going um, we, uh, we we were influenced in different ways you know um, some of the kids would you know skip school and smoking and things like that and it was fights and all sorts of things going on I wasn't used to that sort of environment uh, I don't think my brothers and sisters were either um, it's it turned out okay because we ended up all right, but um, at the time it was quite a challenge. So, your mum struggled financially to support you after your dad disappeared. Yep, yep. She um, because she actually had to go to the court to get dad declared dead, which I think is actually horrendous. Um, because in, in order to get insurance money to so that she could then try and buy us a house to live in um, and it just took a, a long time there was lots of toing and froing and, and she, I don't think she got um, very well supported financially um, by anyone um, although we did get looked after in the emergency housing of course um, but yes yeah, so she struggled um, quite a lot and then it, I think we were there two years uh, and then we, we actually managed to she bought us a house in, um, in North East Valley and we lived up there for well for the rest of my childhood and that, that was the really well for the rest of my life actually mm. <laughs> um, until I left home basically that was great because we had a stable childhood after that even though we'd had all this, this horrible stuff happen um, mum was an amazing mother well she is an amazing mother um, she kept us all together she lived for us kids and um, and yeah we, we all came out pretty good. And so despite the financial struggles, you all survived. Yep. We learnt to actually... got okay in the end. Yeah, and we learnt to be independent as well. You know, I think we learnt a lot from that. Um, and um, I think it's helped all of us through our lives. So how has losing your dad shaped your life? 
Oh, in a lot of ways, I think I'm a completely different person that I would have been um, had my dad survived. He was um, quite a strict dad and, and very scientific and scholarly, and um, I'm sure I would have gone to university and probably had a PhD by now, <laughs> um, or something like that. Um, and um, so, without him around, I'm a bit of a different person. You know, I left home at um, 17 and went to Sydney. Um, I was very independent. Um, I decided that I wanted to be a receptionist, and and so there was no jobs in Dunedin at that time. And so I just left and, and went and got a job as a receptionist, and and went from there and and, and have had an amazing career. I've um, I, I I don't have. Um, the benefit of having such a father figure around. I've only had my mother and father, you know, my mother as my mother and father, and so um, I'm not afraid of men in the workplace. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm independent, uh, and I um, I'm inquisitive like my father as well. You know, so he taught us to do that. So even though he wasn't here, we've still learnt that. What about? Uh Attachment to things, given that you lost someone so precious to you, yeah, and attachment to people, did, oh. did that alter at all? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I had a, I had a big program running for most of my life, actually, um, which basically said, um, "You can't hurt me. Um, there's nothing you can do that can actually do anything to me. There's kind of a, like a line between my." Um, head in my heart which says you know that you can't get anywhere past this um, and so because I was hurt so deeply by dad going that it was like there's nothing else that can you know apart from losing mum <laughs> which was the main thing my, my main you know scary thing was that I would lose my mother as well um, when I was younger um, there, there was I don't think anything else that could have happened um, so it did made me a little bit it made me a little bit uh um, you know, cold in that way, I guess, and I had to relearn how to um, how to connect with my heart again. It took a long, a lot of years. And in terms of grieving your dad, so from the moment he disappeared and over the, the weeks and months and years that followed, what was that like? Uh, it was pretty horrendous. I pretty much cried myself to sleep every night um, for a very long time. Um, I used to crawl into Mum's bed. Uh, most nights and, and snuggle up with her and cry with her and um, it, it really brought us together as a family even more like the remaining family we were just um, very much had each other's backs all those years just because um, it, it was just you know we, we had this family bond but in the initial years yeah it was it was really tough I um, I struggled a lot I you know have memories of um, of uh, when at the first time I went back to school after the accident and um, they, for some reason they decided that I wasn't allowed to go out and at play lunch and lunchtime and, and play with the other kids and I was devastated, I was like I just wanted to be back and, and try and be normal and of course that program had already kicked in I'm okay, there's nothing wrong with me, don't worry about me, I'm fine, you know and um, and of course yeah, it was very very tough when they did that, did that but I don't think it went on for very long I think I must have said something. <laughs> so they actually isolated you from your classmates? Yeah, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't let me go outside at lunchtime. I had to sit in, at my desk and eat my lunch by myself. And I f- just felt absolutely, I was horrified. It was horrible. It was, wow, and they thought that was beneficial for you? I can't understand why, <laughs> but it was. Yeah. 
Do you have any sense that your dad's watching over you? Oh, he is. I know he is. Um, I, I, I have a picture beside my bed, and I talk to him every morning, pretty much. And you know, um, say I love you, Dad. <laughs> I've had, I've, I've, uh, for a number of years, I've had a number of psychic friends um, around me, um, and I don't believe that's such a coincidence. Um, lots of people tell me things about my dad um, without me even prompting. They don't even know. Um, one time, one of my psychic friends said to me. Oh, um, your dad's here and he's with his little brother. And I said, no, dad doesn't have a, he didn't have a little brother. And he, she goes, yeah, he did. He, he died when he was little. I was like, huh? So I rang up mum. I said, mum, did dad have a little brother? And she goes, yeah, he died when he was little. And I'm like, holy moly. <laughs> you know. And so um, and, and there's been lots of instances like that. So, um, yes, I do have a sense that he's around me. I've always felt that he was looking out for me. He was always felt like I could talk to him, even you know before I learnt that he could answer me. <laughs> um, uh, but um, yeah, no, I do. So you've described your dad as such a scientific person, such an academic person. What would he make of your spirituality? <laughs> um, I think that he would be okay with it. I believe um, that Dad had such an inquiring mind um, that. You know, and he did have spirituality as well. You know, he wasn't, um, uh, you know, full on religious or anything like that. But I do believe that there was part of it. Um, so I think that he'd, I think he'd be all right with it. And uh, because he was an open-minded person, yeah. Does it ever occur to you that he might be a troubled spirit because he left the earth too soon? Yes, I worried, I wondered about that. You know, when I was younger, um, but. I actually um, don't believe that. I believe that you can heal on the other side. Anything, any traumas and any things that do happen to you, um, the, the time comes when you do heal through that. So I don't believe he's a troubled spirit. Um, I've seen his energy and, and it's not troubled at all. So you, at nine, suffered this terrible loss of your dad. Um, were there other losses that you suffered as a result of that loss um, can you think of other ways in which your life was impacted that it might not have been had it not been for that loss um, I guess um, well I didn't have that father figure so sometimes I'm not as um, disciplined you know as maybe I could be um, it, you know I am a different person I like to you know Scoot around the outside sometimes on different, you know, issues. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe if my father had been around, I might have learnt to um, face up to things and, you know, all sorts. I guess. So, Rachel, you've described this as a really traumatic time, but were there any fond memories? <laughs> um, yes, um, there were a couple of <laughs> fond things. Um, now, for some reason, I was quite young, I was nine years old, but for some reason, after everything happened and Dad disappeared, um, for some reason, there seemed to be a lot of biscuits in the house, and I'm not sure why, but we never used to eat biscuits before Dad left, and because, you know, our families, we were very close, and we were very strict, like, we always used to eat really healthy food, and didn't waste money on takeaways, or things like that, and and all of a sudden there's these biscuits <laughs> and I, I just remember being in heaven <laughs> even though I didn't really you know like I had some but 
of course, there was that thing, because I'm not used to them, it did make me a little bit sick, but but there was that thing, and I just can't get that out of my head. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a real thing. It was, it was quite quite funny. There was boxes, and I don't know if they were donated by people or what happened, but, yeah, we had biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, life was sweet in some respects. Yeah. Um, the, actually, the other thing I remember was... Um, <laughs> And this is again about food. Um, and this was one time um, mum went to see a counsellor, I think, and I remember it vividly. I was, it was raining and we were sitting in the car and we had to stay in the car um, and mum bought us a cream bun. <laughs> and I, I've never forgotten that. And, I, it's, and I, that's all I remember about it, but it was just that very vivid. We had a cream bun, we were in the car and it was raining. <laughs> Now, one of the things, of course, having a dad disappear at sea is that there is no memorial for him. There was Mm. no body to be buried or gravestone to be erected. How did that impact upon you? It was quite hard. Um, It was quite, um, you know, it wasn't normal. Like, you know, the thing is when people die, you know, you you have a funeral, you have this, you have that, and, and it wasn't... It wasn't, you know, first of all, we couldn't even prove that he was, <laughs> the fact that we had to prove he was dead for a start. Um, and then we didn't know he was dead. Um, we didn't know if he was ever coming back. And then when you get to the stage where you're accepting that he's dead or he's not coming back, and, and believe me, that's taken years and years anyway, but even in the first, you know, few years, well, there's nothing to say, oh, he's died and here we go, let's mark a line in the sand and, and there's nothing to go back to. There's no um, you know, funeral to have and, and all that sort of thing. Um, but what it did do is, is it, I guess it made me go in more. So um, so praying to God. I mean, I pray to God every night, um, you know, pretty much most of my life anyway. It's always been a part of me, but that was that's what I did when Dad disappeared. I just prayed, please, please bring my bad Dad back, please bring him back, you know. Um, and then in the later years, um, it's maybe go in. So when I when I remember Dad, I connect with Dad, or I try to connect with Dad. I think about Dad. I pray to God about Dad. So I don't have a stone to go to, but I have something spiritual to go to, and so that's my stone, I guess. Yeah. Now you talked about your grief about losing your dad as a child what about as an adult and as you've grown older yep um yeah sometimes um the grief would really hit me out of the blue um i would think you know and, and it kind of goes along with that program of oh, i'm okay nothing can hurt me and then ooh, boom something happens <laughs> you know someone dies or something traumatic happens or something happens and and my reactions you know would be way worse or you know um or I wouldn't expect it. Like one time in my 20s, I was having a couple of wines with mum and we're sitting there watching TV and all of a sudden I just burst into tears and I, can't, I couldn't stop crying. And it was, it was about Dad. And it was, there was also a funny idea I'd had about something that I thought Dad had done um, when I was a child. Like um, it was around about a Christmas present or something. You know, it was nothing. Um, but I'd had something and it just came out of nowhere <laughs> and, and that was very unexpected so um, there was a few things that happened um, and um, so also um, you know sometimes you know I'd, I'd, I'd wonder if it was just a dream and I was going to wake up sometime or you know if it just been a nightmare and, um, and I also um, thought that maybe he'd he'd, um, he'd um, 
come back one day and, and out of the blue and everything would be all right and there'd be some amazing story had been spirited away by aliens or you know you, you make up all sorts of things um you know it's funny every time i go to a shipyard um or see boats in the harbour i'm looking for the veronica I mean, which is completely illogical because if the veronica was there then dad must be there but i still do it to this day i will look and i'll scare and go, i wonder if there's a veronica and i don't know why but that is what it is <laughs> So in as much as your dad left you a legacy, what would you say that legacy is? Yeah, um, well, dad's legacy, I mean, we had an absolutely wonderful, loving family, you know, growing up. I, I couldn't have asked for a better family. It was diverse and, you know, we, we were a normal family and everything else, but very close-knit, and we became more close-knit when dad left. And I do believe, I mean, I had a very stable um, marriage, um, for over 30 years um, and I raised two beautiful boys and, and, and I raised them the same way that I believe that my dad would have um, and my mum and dad of course the way that my mum raised me <laughs> um, but if dad had been there he would have done it as well so I guess he, he gave us that um, starting point in life um, something to be proud of and I know he's proud of me and he'd be proud of all my siblings and my mum as well um, so yeah there's that, that legacy of love I guess that's still there Um I know that he loves me. I know he loves us all, and and we love him too. And you know what happened has happened, um, but you know the, the story will go on. <laughs> There's more to this life than just that. Rachel, thank you so much for talking to us and sharing a child's insight into the loss of a dad from the perspective of a child, but how it's affected you right through to your life today, in good ways and in bad. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Final Curtain, ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. Podcasts from this series are available online at oar.org.nz and from the accessmedia.nz app. At Death Café Dunedin, the conversation continues. You can join that conversation by listening to other New Zealanders tell their stories about death and, if you want to, by sharing yours. Look for Death Cafe Dunedin on Facebook for updates and meeting times. Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.